When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat here on day 13 of hashtag DubisWatch. We're not giving this much air on today's show because, as most people are, we're kind of tired of talking about it, and there's no actual update in the Pittsburgh Penguins general manager search, just to say that it is day 13 since Kyle Dubas was fired and became the number one prospect on the Penguins general manager trade board, and still no news, so we're just going to sit back, wait, and if it happens, again, listen for the magical words during this episode, it happened. If we don't say that, then it didn't happen during the recording. So don't get at us if we finish recording and it happens afterwards. Basically... That's all I have to say on the subject. That's all you have to say. I mean, I've been having to watch it like a hawk, and it's perfectly fine. I'm having, honestly, a ton of fun doing it because, let's be real, he is the top face. He's the top free agent in the league right now, period. That includes players. Um, but is that he? Means, uh, that's, yes. a, that's a conversation for a different day. It is, but, I mean, let's honestly think about some of the free agents this year. Not phenomenal. That being said, um... Yeah, it's we've seen the conflict the reports that have come out, they've been conflicting. There have been some this way, some that way. At this point we're all at least me and you are at the point of just tell me when it's announced and we will react accordingly from there. Uh, but still, uh, as everyone doing their due diligence, they are going to be searching Kyle Dubas uh, at nauseum again today, refreshing Twitter at nauseum again today. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? We don't have to give it much time here, but yeah, it's uh, it's a search that eventually will end, no matter what. The Penguins do need a new GM, and I said it last episode, it needs to be made today. That announcement needs to be made today. If not, uh, tomorrow you need to f- just make a hire tomorrow that's not Dubas, if that's what you're still waiting on. Well, yeah, exactly, and if you want to actually know where the Pittsburgh Penguins are at in their general manager search, it hasn't changed since Tuesday. We released an episode called Dubas's Decision. Go back and listen to that, because that's exactly where they're at today, except everything is just fast-forwarded two days. The Penguins are still awaiting to hear from Kyle Dubas. But let's move on and talk about non-Kyle Dubas things, because honestly, the GM search, it's good that they're taking their time, especially because it's their first real major hire in hockey 
as FSG yeah. is concerned. So good on them for taking their time, but we're starting to get to the point where it's taking too much time. Uh, but let's move on and talk a little bit about some trade bait. Who on the Pittsburgh Penguins is going to be trade bait this offseason? We're just going to go back and forth, name by name, who we think should be on the trade board. And I'm going to start with the most obvious name in the bunch. Mikhail Granlin has to be at the top of the trade board for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He does. He does. It's If you're able to find a taker, he absolutely <laughs> should be. If that's yeah, that's, a, big, that's an important part there. That's the big piece of it. It's if you're able to find a taker. Put it this way. He, he makes $5 million, right, and is 31 years old. He yes. falls directly into the list of Brian Rust, Ricard Raquel, and Jason Zucker as early 30-year-olds who make about that much money. Of those four, which one? Which one's gonna which one should be gone? Mikhail Granlin's the easy answer because of his abysmal let's call it for now his abysmal start to his Penguins tenure. Mm-hmm. Because you we don't know if it's gonna end. We don't know what a new general manager uh, is going to do with this kind of player. Maybe they find something useful. I don't know. It's He's should, yeah, he's at the top of the trade list. He's at the top of the trade list. I just wrote a story. He should also be at the top of the buyout list if we tend if we want to go in that direction. There's a number of different ways you could take Mikhail Granlin, and none of them are on the team. <laughs> so he should absolutely be a part of that list. And oh man, it's go it, that should be quick work too. That should be something that gets done fairly quickly before the before the draft at the end of the month. You would hope so, but at the same time, there is a chance, and I'm not ruling out the the potential that he comes back to Pittsburgh next year because there is no suitor. There is nobody that wants to take $5 million of, of Mikhail Granlin, and the Penguins don't want to dish out a draft pick to offload a guy that they just acquired two months ago. Like I understand that there's a chance he comes back, and there's even a chance that he has a bounce-back season and he becomes a contributing member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But for that price tag, and we're in off-season mode where price tag is everything, uh, I would say that he's probably the first name, whoever comes in, whether that is Kyle Dubas or Matthew Darsh or, or Jason Botterill or, or anybody else, whoever comes in, that's the first name you say, okay, I'm going to start making calls apart from, you know, obviously the draft is coming up in a couple weeks, might want to get on that, but also making a couple calls to see if anybody's interested in Mikhail Granlund or if Ron Hextall was just full of crap at the end of the season where he said multiple teams were interested in him. But uh, again, not something we need to rehash there, but Mikhail Granlund, we both agree, is the top of the list for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What's another name that you think should be on the Penguins trade block this summer? I have another easy one. Uh, and then we can probably start getting into the dirt after this one. But Jeff Petrie, right? Just right. He makes a ton of money. I mean, he's, at this point, damn near the highest paid player on the team. Sorry, second highest paid player on the team. So, yeah, it's for that age and for lack of production, I know, you know, real fresh of Penguins fans to be discussing age and high and high salaries. Uh, but at least the players that we're paying a ton of money to produce. That's the issue with Jeff Petrie here is he makes a ton of money and sure he didn't have the season we all wanted, but he didn't fit the bill of what we wanted. It's hard to put, but essentially everyone knows he doesn't fit here and shouldn't uh, be garnering that much cash. 
Honestly, he's the type of player that you could probably still find a use for somewhere, even on your own team. Um, and it sucks that the NHL doesn't allow contract restructuring. Mm. Because imagine that in this league, first of all. You know, that's... I, we, I mean, I get why contracts are a thing. I, we understand why restructuring shouldn't be allowed. But, I mean, some very successful leagues do it. And I don't know why it shouldn't be. It's what is wrong with it, I guess. But that, again, discussion for another day. Jeff Petrie's a second obvious option to be traded out of here. I don't know if I'd go second obvious option, just mainly because I think it's unlikely to happen. I mean, all reports indicate that the Penguins coaching staff is in love with Jeff Petrie. And not going to lie, there were times last season where I said it's nice to have somebody else that can eat up minutes and not force Chris Letang to play 30 minutes a night. Yes, that is a positive. But as you mentioned, he failed to meet anybody's expectations when he was traded Mm -hmm. over because he was expected to be a 1B to Chris Letang, and he was nowhere near that. Uh, He did get injured in the middle of the season. That obviously plays a factor into it. But just the contract compared to what he brought to the table... It didn't align, and it wasn't close to aligning for Jeff Petrie. So by that aspect, I agree. He he probably should be a name that you're floating out there. He certainly isn't an untouchable. Uh, I think there's only few and far between on this roster of players that are actually untouchable. But I think the only problem with that is, even though you're probably going to sign any of these guys for less than what Jeff Petrie's making, there's not a lot that you can do to replace a second-pairing right-hand defenseman in the market this summer. I mean, the top right-handed defensemen available are John Klingberg, Matt Dumba, Eric Johnson, and Damon Severson. Severson is the name there that I would target, but I also don't... Again, there's four names, and there's 32 teams. Yeah. So the odds that you're able to get one of the best names on the market is going to be tough. So Jeff Petrie, while I think, yeah should be offers should be listened to. And if there's a good offer, take it because you need financial flexibility to rebuild this team, especially as quickly as this team supposedly needs to get rebuilt because they're trying to win Stanley cups right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And of those names you listed there, I don't mind Matt Dumba either. I kind of forgot he was going to be floated out there, but uh, that's an expensive contract. You would pretty much have to lose Petrie before you even got into the Matt Dumba game. That being said, though, I mean, in 61 games last year for Petrie, he played fewer games than he did the season before and recorded a couple of more points. Yeah, he's also on the Penguins, not the the, the bum Montreal Canadiens that ended up with the first overall pick. Correct, but also, the I mean, you don't want to really make it and take that much into consideration. The, the Canadians were also a year removed from reaching the Stanley Cup final. Uh, it's a COVID but, year. Come on. Don't give me that bull crap. No, that was, but that if, was a farce. But if you look at that season where they went to the Stanley Cup final, uh, Jeff Petrie was rocking. 12 goals, 30 assists for 42 points. He's definitely not that. We thought maybe he could get back to that because clearly that was a Cadians team that um, had found some success. He was a huge part of it. Last season, we just looked at it as, or I guess the season before, it's weird to discuss it. The 2021-2022 season for Petrie probably just looked at the Canadians were bad, very bad. He was a, an effect of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this past year, first season of Pittsburgh, we figured maybe he can find that uh, Canadian division spark again. And he just couldn't. So, 
Yeah, he's still a guy that can have his uses. Like I said, a contract restructuring would be awesome in this league. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you should absolutely be hearing what people can offer you for him. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, also, I can't remember what the uh, log jam looks like on the Penguins blue line right now. Oh, it's 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 severe. It's still, it's still severe. there. Yeah, the only name that I'm pretty sure that's a free agent is Dmitry Kulikov, right? Brian Dumoulin. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, Brian Dumoulin, you still have nine. You had yeah. 11 at the end of the season. You still have nine. And, and to go along with that, another name that I have, and it's a right-handed defenseman, and it's somebody that I could actually see being on the trade block this offseason, that's Jan Ruda. He did not outperform what I would have expected from Chad Ruedel or Mark Friedman in that spot. And at that point, it's unnecessary because you're paying much more money to an older gentleman to play that position and play it not as effectively in some aspects as Chad Ruedel and Mark Friedman. Why can't I say Chad Ruedel's name this today? But um, no, regardless, it was an unnecessary signing at the level of you had guys that could play at that level for cheaper and for shorter term. Why are you going out to get this guy? Now, understandably, the one thing that he brings to the table that neither Chad or Mark bring to the table, the two frat boys of the Penguins organization, Jan Ruda brings size. Did he use it? In some instances, he did. But the Pittsburgh Penguins as a whole were soft in front of their own net. So what really did that bring to the table that was barely even effective for the Pittsburgh Penguins? So yeah, Jan Ruda to me, I think he's probably higher on the trade list than Jeff Petrie just because I think Petrie has more redeemable qualities. I understand the the, the cap hit is much more severe. Uh, but also that means it's harder to move. So I think Jan Ruda is a name that you're going to see, uh, whether it's on Saravalli and Daily Faceoff, whether that's mentioned by uh, Elliot Friedman at Sportsnet, somebody's going to mention that Jan Ruda is on the trade block this summer. Probably. I mean, it was an interesting signing when it happened, but I could I was able to get behind it, though. It was a, a signing of useful, at the, we thought, useful veteran um, championship pedigree defenseman to fill out the final end of the right side. Now, at the very beginning of the season, we thought, this is going to be great. This is going to work out just fine. We're not even going to worry about it. And as time went on, we saw what happened. You know, I it's also a more movable deal. It's yes. also a tri- much easier deal to uh, pull off than it is Jeff Petrie at that price at that age. And also, no clauses involved. That's even, That's... A huge part of it as well. Jan Ruda, you can kind of just sail away wherever, whenever. You can do it next year if you wanted to. Um, so it's a much more movable deal as well, and I'm with you on that. That makes total sense uh, for the Penguins. Do you have another name, Horwood? I have two. Don't have to get too deep into one of them, but do you have another name for somebody that should be on the Penguins trade list? I'm just trying to think of someone interesting because, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves there needs to be some sort of splash on this team, right? Where I look at this team a lot like, um, kind of like the Leafs, sort of. They need that splash to happen in order for big changes to be made and big noise to be had. We don't have that option, though. I think part of that could be the splash is not bringing Jason Zucker back. I mean, for one, they might not be able to afford it, but for yeah. two, that name in the locker room, that'll turn some heads just by 
sure in a sense of he's not coming back. You're not seeing Jason Zucker walk through that door. If that happens, I think that would classify as the splash, especially considering his cap hit was over $5 million. So that gives you flexibility if you move on from him. But the problem is you, you filled it with Granlin. We don't have to, to get back into that. But I, I think that could classify as the splash for this team is if Zucker doesn't return. It would, because you look at someone who would qualify as a splash, like Ricard Raquel. Okay, you don't want to get rid of him, though. All right, Brian Rust, full no move for another two seasons. Sorry, or else I'd be all about that, but his clauses are at the wrong end of the deal. Sorry. Um, And then who else? I mean, Jeff Carter, full no move. Can't move him. You're not moving off of one of the core. I'd put him on the trade list just to see what's out there. You, um, you put him on that list to see what you can get, but I, plus everyone else is out of a deal, too. Like, you're not mm-hmm. going to say Drew O'Connor. He doesn't have a contract right now anyway. RFA, so maybe that's part of it. Um, like, who else are you going to move? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm glad you didn't just... say Jake Gensel. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to smite you like the Lord and, and whatever his name is in Hercules. I, I forget. Zeus, I'll smite you like <laughs> Zeus, throw down a lightning bolt, because you don't trade 40 goal scorers. Stop saying trade Jake Gensel, because he's no. small, whatever reason you ha- reasoning you have, it doesn't matter. <laughs> don't trade yeah. a 40 goal scorer. Yeah, one of one of the new GM's first orders of business should be getting Jake Gensel signed to an extension. I'm not trading him at all, don't worry. They're, uh, of the untouchables, it genuinely goes Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Gensel. I mean, that's it. That's it. You don't want to trade guys like Raquel or P.O. Joseph or I forgot Ty Smith's down there. No, I, I agree with that. I'm just, I might put Gensel above Latang, and that could be a conversation we have in a Ooh, couple weeks. That is a conversation for another day. But I, I think I just kind of threw names out. <laughs> I wasn't really necessarily going for order. Oh, yeah. Perfect. But, um, yeah, those four, you could slide, like I said, P.O. Joseph on there if you wanted to. You could slide... Ricardo Cal, if you really wanted to, but it's um I'm out of options just because the clauses get in the way of making splash deals, and this team needs a splash deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they currently have eight forwards signed. Slim pickings, right? <laughs> Slim yeah. pickings of people that you can choose from. We talked about Granlin. We we talked about Petrie and Ruta to be on there. Same with Jeff Carter, and honestly, Casey DeSmith. Uh, we don't have to talk very long about it, but I would have Casey DeSmith on the trade block. To yeah. see what you could get for him. Because if you bring back Tristan Jari, and for some reason, for some reason, I'm starting to lean towards thinking that that's probably what they end up doing. Uh, don't ask me why. It is not backed by any reports. It's not. It's just a gut feeling that it feels like Tristan Jari, looking at the landscape, it feels like Tristan Jari's back. And if that is the case, Casey DeSmith needs to get his, his, his pink slip. He needs to get oh, yeah. his bags, and he needs to get out of Pittsburgh because you cannot run this duo. I said it yesterday on Penguins to Go, uh, so I talked about it for 20 minutes. You can go listen to it there, anywhere you get podcast or on Inside the Penguins on YouTube. Uh, but you can't run this back for the fourth straight year with the same nope. two goalies. It's just not happening. No. you. We shouldn't have run it back last season. No. And I yeah. was all, in, in, in my case last year, I was all for bringing Jari back to legitimately see what he can do and sending DeSmith out the door for anybody else. I can remember the names I had last year. I think Halak was on there. I probably had Dave Riddick. Uh, but this season, it's I'm rolling in the, in the direction of we need two new goalies. Get Connor Hellebuck in here and yeah. find a 
Dave Riddick again, maybe. I don't know. Find a backup that is um, feasible. We get Casey DeSmith had some great moments this season and looked like he could be the starter this year. And then the IIHF Championship happened. Take that one for what you will. Played pretty good internationally in in a popular international contest, but also it's not, not best the Olympics. on best. But yeah, it's it's kind of here, are guys that aren't in the playoffs and guys that wanted to be here. You're that playing aren't with a bunch of yeah. You're playing with a bunch of guys from Europe. Have fun. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's still something to speak of, but he also didn't win a medal, so. Yeah, that's the collapse, which, I mean, the Penguins know full yeah, well about uh, collapsing late in seasons and late in games. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the Stanley Cup final is starting in a couple days. So we're going to look at the two teams and cherry pick some players for the Pittsburgh Penguins and see who would help the Penguins the most if the Pens were able to just, just pluck them right off the rosters to the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you have found us in some way, shape, or form, and we appreciate you tuning in. You can tune in on YouTube. If you are listening to it on podcast form right now, you can watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins, or if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you very much. Nice to see you waving at the, the camera. Hello. You can listen to us on the go. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast from. Just search Tip of the Iceberg. You get all full episodes of Tip of the Iceberg. You get all episodes of Penguins to go. And guess what? We do special episodes from time to time as well, which, listen, I'm not saying that we're going to have great guests this summer. But I am saying we're going to have great guests this summer. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like. Make sure you download. All the fun stuff. We appreciate you. And we continue to talk hockey throughout the summer. Because that's just what we do, Horwat. For some reason, we sit here and talk hockey. And for some reason, people want to hear it. So thank you. We cannot honestly and seriously, shtick aside, we cannot thank you enough for tuning in and choosing to spend some of your time with us. Because it's crazy that anybody does. But... Let's talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup Final. We mentioned it on Tuesday, talked a little bit about the Penguins that will be sitting in the press box, but technically under contract for these two teams, a.k.a. Teddy Bluger, Phil Kessel, and Patrick Kornfist. And now let's go to players that are playing and that we would actually like to see come back to the Pittsburgh Penguins and see them play in the black and gold. We're going to pick a player from each Stanley Cup finalist to come over, if we had the choice, to just bring them to the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're going to do an all-inclusive one, and then we're going to do a realistic one where we take out the superstars. I think it's fair to say. Now, you can disagree with me, Horwat. All-inclusive. Vegas, I'm taking Jack Eichel. Florida, I'm taking Matthew Kachuk. And I'm just wiping my hands of that. That is the easy, simple answer to me. Do you agree? Matthew Kachuk, for sure. Um, and Vegas is such a weird team, right? Like they don't have they have Jack Eichel, but they don't have the real deal standout star. Mark Stone was going to be there, and then he got injured like two seasons in a row. Um, <clears throat> Petrangelo, I've never been super duper fond of as being the superstar. Definitely a leader, definitely a captain, definitely of that ilk. Just not the same. So I think, yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. It goes Jack Eichel. So Kachuk Eichel for the two, just one A's on each team. 
Could you imagine? And he plays that position. Could you imagine Jack Eichel in the Phil Kessel spot on the Penguins power play? I mean, they probably still find a way to make it very, very frustrating to watch. But yeah. man, Jack Eichel in that spot, nothing against Ricardo Raquel. I like Rax. Nothing against Brian Russ when he's there. I like Rusty. But Jack frickin' Eichel? Yeah, that would be uh that would be something. So let's go to the the more, you know, not obvious answers here. Excluding the stars, who from Vegas would you want on the Pittsburgh Penguins? Ooh, Vegas. Let's see. I was looking at Florida, so I'm going to need a minute. Because just trying to flip through who's on Vegas. Because like I just said, there's not many obvious big names. And I'm going to keep Teddy Bluger and Phil Kessel out of this. We'll so. get to them. Well, not them. We'll get to Teddy. <clears throat> Sorry, Phil. That's fair. Right, he's old. And, and, you know, it is what it is. Dang. Um, you hey, ever seen the Kevin is. Hart special, the Heart to Heart with him and Don Cheadle? Dang. Honestly, No. I'm thirty. He, he said, "I think I'm like 58 years old." He goes, "Dang!" And then it got very awkward. But yeah, you and Phil Kessel probably shouldn't go in a room for a couple of days after that. But go ahead, yeah. Vegas, pick a player. Pick a, uh, you know, it's difficult. It depends on what what part of this team you want to rebuild. And I assume we would want to start with the bottom six forward group. And how about Keegan Colasar? Mm. There's a fun one. Little off the beaten path. <clears throat> 26 years old. Yeah, 26. Only at 18 points this season. But um, playing as a bottom line forward on the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, hasn't played every game of the postseason, I think. I might be wrong about that. But it's come up huge a couple of times. Um, I don't have too much on him. I just know that... Vegas Golden Knights have one of the deeper teams in the NHL and have a fourth line so good that Teddy Bluger isn't fully needed. Mm-hmm. And they're still making the cup final. We we talked at nauseum over the years of how good of a depth, depth piece Teddy Bluger is and would be valued on many teams around this league. Turns out Vegas wasn't one of them, really. They had a bottom six already in place where he was useful for a little bit and had his moments... And is still there and you know, break glass in case of emergency type player for Vegas. But now Keegan Colasar is there with 74 uh, games in the regular season this year. Eight goals, 10 assists, 18 points for a bottom six, not or bottom line, not terrible. No, eight goals and 18 points is everything that Teddy Bluger was before this season, right? Like yeah. that's what he was bringing to the team. And, you know, I don't hate that pick. It's, it's off the wall. It's off the board. Yeah. I didn't expect you to say Keegan Colasar. What I, I'm going with is a name that probably some people have expected because we've talked about this gentleman before, especially at the trade deadline this past season. I wanted him from St. Louis at the deadline. Mm-hmm. The Penguins couldn't pull it off. I would take uh, Ivan Barbashev in a heartbeat. He can play center. He could play left wing. He has thrived since arriving in Vegas, 16 points in 23 games to end the regular season. And now he has 15 points in 17 playoff games this postseason. The best part about it, He's a UFA this summer. Oh, will I be writing and speaking into existence. Positive affirmations. Penguins sign Ivan Barbashev. That's what I want. The only problem is, if they win the cup, he falls into the cup tax. And you're probably going to have to pay a little bit more dough to get Ivan Barbashev in your bottom six. Given the uh, tenure he's had with Ve- with Vegas, he, his his cup tax has probably already gone up. I mean, you mentioned yeah. 16 points in 23 games, 15 and 17 um, I was looking at that name, but then I kind of remembered that, that UFA piece 
and wanted to look for a guy who already has a contract, mm. at least in my decision-making. That's how I looked at it. But, no, I mean, that would have been an easy first option. An easy first option, right? We saw we see what he's doing um, in with this Vegas Golden Knights team. It's impressive. It was someone that could have been shipped out with Ryan O'Reilly. Right, it could have been the, mm. that. Could have been the two for one of the century. Oh, right? Yep, yep. Hypotheticals so, that make me happy. Yes. Incredible that that St. Louis team wasn't better with how many great pieces they had to send off. Um, but yeah, it's that's obvious. That's another easy choice. You're absolutely correct. I just didn't like that he didn't have a contract in the next season, and that was my only option. They're my only reasoning for not. Yeah. Sometimes the known is better than the unknown, and right now the contract for Ivan Barbashev is completely unknown past this season. Let's move over to the Eastern Conference champion Florida Panthers, an eight seed that took down the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Carolina Hurricanes. They were running through the original six. Now they're going to try to take out the 31st of 32 teams in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights, who from Florida, excluding the superstars, that's Kachuk, that's Ekblad, that's Barkov, I'd say Bobrovsky's in that. Uh, who would you take from the Florida Panthers? Bobrovsky might be in that list, but I wasn't taking him anyway. Um, <laughs> how's about Carter Verhage? Oh my god, we have the exact same name. Shocker. I wonder why. <laughs> Could it be because he played 81 games this past season, scored 73 points, 42 of them goals, and is making just over $4 million at the age of 27. Oh. How Not do you get so five? lucky? How do you get so uh, lucky, Florida? That's, yeah, that one. That one. I, well, you don't need that to go one. into too many more details. That one. Do we? I, uh, who else on this team would well, kind of make sense? Sam Reinhart costs a lot of money. Sam Bennett, maybe? I'll tell you one that... Again, a name that has been mentioned on this show before, and it was mentioned when we were in the draft process and looking at prospects back, I believe, in 2020. And the Penguins had the 15th overall pick. They traded it to Toronto, for, and Toronto took Rodion Amirov. I haven't seen his name since. But, oh, I like what I've seen from Anton Lundell. Mm. I really do. The guy is, is massive. He's a two-way forward. And it, he brings some scoring punch. Excuse me. But... Uh, again, you look at this roster, if you take out the superstars, I was going to ask you, how many goals do you think Carter Verhage scored this year? Because I didn't think it was 42. I knew he scored a bunch, and I know that he is under the radar one of the best scorers in the league, but it just seems like nobody talks about this guy. Like, even mm -hmm. in the postseason run, he has 15 points in 16 games, and nobody is talking about him. It's not like he's just came out of nowhere this season. He's been good for the Florida Panthers for a few years now. And if the Penguins could just like almost like a pick swap when it comes to sports gambling, if they could like a player swap with Carter Verhage and Mikhail Granlin, Penguins would be a hundred percent better for it. Oh yeah. He's got three game winning goals in the postseason too. <clears throat> Those, the, the, uh, the Florida Panthers have won however many games it is. 12. Uh, so far, seven of them. Have been won by either Carter Verhage or Matthew Kachuk. Jesus. Do you need to know too much else? No, no. I, I think that's uh, I think that's all that needs to be said with that. So, all right, cut and dry. The Penguins get Keegan Colasar, Carter Verhage, and Yvonne Barbashev for Jeff Petrie, Jeff Carter, and Mikhail Granlin. Everybody wins. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. So you just set up a great lineup there. That's phenomenal. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that's fair for everybody. We'll throw in a first-round pick to Florida as well for their 40-goal score. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, done. 
hire me as the next general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins while you're at it. Jesus. Uh, but Kyle, I hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah, Kyle already uh, doing his research into the Penguins' best podcast, and then tip the iceberg here. Uh, no, but uh, let's finish off this segment really quickly. Talking a little bit about Teddy Bluger, because the Penguins traded him away in an auspicious auspicious effort. I don't know why I tried to say a, a fancy word there. It just messed me up. To to get Mikhail Granlund. Um, doesn't seem like that worked out at all. But Teddy Bluger is a UFA this summer. Would you take Teddy Bluger back on the Pittsburgh Penguins? No, nah, I don't think so. Really? I think just... I, I'm just in the, in the zone of getting change on this team. Making... Um, adjustments and sure you know Teddy Bluger was a useful piece um, regardless of the validity of the exit I'm just I'm for making changes to this team anywhere possible no returns should be made like no one should be brought back to this team and, and and you know you know what I'm trying to say if you've already left you've already left that's enough of that we're looking for change on this team that can be positive i get that you're giggling but i love just that's enough of that 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 got me that got me man i'm sorry that's all right but no that's the way i'm looking at this team it just needs lineup changes you know front to back and like i said i'm not looking at this team directly like the leafs but they're elite the leafs are a team that need that splash trade they need something to happen to instill major change and a major wake-up call for that organization Mm mm-hmm and it feels like the Penguins are on that same sort of path. They need that major, big change to instill, you know, to light that fire again. Yeah. I don't know what it could be because we just went over trade pieces for the Penguins. There aren't many that make sense to really get the juices flowing, but mm. you got to figure one out. And if that involves, like you said, letting Jason Zucker walk, let it be that. If it involves not bringing back Teddy Bluger, let it be that. Let's. Let's see some change in this organization that um, reignites something. We get the team was close last year with not much, but mm. uh, it's going to be a different year next year. Yeah. Other teams are waking up. We got to be one of them that stays ahead of the curve. Yeah. I mean, you look at the New Jersey Devils, the season that they had, the Ottawa Senators and their trajectory right now, the Buffalo Sabres. I I mean, a full season of Devin Levi. We'll see what that ends up doing for them. Actually having a number one goaltender instead of having like a a six man rotation or whatever they had. Uh, They had like a baseball starting pitching rotation in net. It was crazy. Uh, But I would actually disagree with you because I first and foremost, I think this was an outlier season for Teddy Bluger. Uh, Certainly it doesn't help that you know, we always want to see players go up and up and up and up. And when you see them have a down, especially the way that Teddy Bluger had this season, you kind of get soured on them going forward, especially when it's not a player that has been a top six guy, has been a goal scorer. He's kind of done all the dirty work, kind of done all the underlying work. But I would I would take Teddy Bluger back, especially because, I mean, that price tag is not going to be hefty. And you need to rebuild the bottom six. And I'm not sure how much money you're willing to spend, but... You need to have guys at cheap prices that can get the job done. And I feel like Teddy Bluger has always been that. Yeah, he's coming off a bad season. Clearly he is. But he was loved by his teammates. He remains a good option defensively. His underlying numbers haven't really dipped much this season. Yeah, they're not as good as in the past. But they haven't dipped much. And while his scoring took a hit, one, 
I'm not too worried about the scoring of a fourth-line center. I'm hoping he gets more than one goal, which is what he had with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He usually finishes between seven and eight previously in seasons. If he's back around there, or even at like six or seven, sure, considering what he does defensively, considering what he does for the penalty kill, I would take that. And also, everybody's numbers dipped in the Penguins' bottom six because it was <laughs> it was atrocious all the way around. So I'm not going to hold that against him when thinking about whether or not to bring him back, but also I'm thinking of the Penguins' fourth line right now is is Drew O'Connor, Teddy Bluger, and Ryan Paling. And that, to me, is a solid fourth line. And then you have Alex Nylander to start your third line, and then you need to find two more spots. You need to, to figure something out with those two spots and second line left wing, and then you already have a better forward core, in my opinion, than what you saw this season. Don't try to talk me into it. <laughs> it's my job, Horwath. No, it's not. But it that's is okay. my job. It's, I'm supposed to believe wholeheartedly in my takes, and I believe very heartedly in this take. Absolutely, and that's you're absolutely right. That is what you should do. But um, yeah, I guess we'll just have differing opinions on it because I just perfectly. It's fine. time for the change. Yeah, it's that means one of us will be right, one of us will be wrong, and that's always fun. And we won't bring it back up, regardless. <laughs> oh, we will. I will. I keep receipts, Horwat. You know that. Fair enough. <laughs> but no, regardless, it's going to be something that's going to be broached this summer. I'm sure Teddy Bluger's camp and I'm sure the Pittsburgh Penguins camp will reach out to each other and at least test the waters. I don't think the door is shut uh, on that relationship by any means. Personally, based on what I've, I've, all the information I have at my disposal, I don't see any reason why that relationship would be severed. So uh, it's something that I, I would think makes the Penguins a better team next year. But the problem with that is... You do still have Jeff Carter on the roster. You do still have Mikhail Granlin on the roster. And you do still need to find another option for second-line left wing. And that becomes a lot. And also, are you going to block Sam Poulin? But I don't think Teddy Bluger should ever block Sam Poulin because I don't think Poulin should ever be a fourth-line center. And Bluger probably is, is not going to be a third-line center. So, you know, I tried to bring up a roadblock, Horwat, and it didn't work. I, I, mm -hmm. I busted right through it. So, I'm all for it. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, let's talk a little bit about Alex Nylander because I feel like we glossed over when he was signed back in April because, well, we didn't expect the signing when there was no sitting general manager. We'll talk about Nylander after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. The Penguins, a couple months ago now, signed Alex Nylander to a one-year, one-way contract, about $775,000. That was in April. Penguins didn't have a general manager. It's June. Penguins still... Wait, it's June. That's yeah. weird. That's weird to say. It is already June of 2023. But regardless, we move on. It's June, the Penguins still don't have a general manager, but they do have Alex Nylander on a one-year contract. So let's talk about what that is. Because Alex Nylander finally made his debut with the Pittsburgh Penguins last season and was a breath of fresh air for that lineup. I think we could all agree that when he got into the lineup, we said, okay, this is something fresh, something we haven't seen. It's new. It brings a, a just an air of exuberance and youth into the lineup. And it was a simple way 
for the Penguins to begin to get younger at the NHL level. We've talked so many times about how they were the oldest team in the NHL last season. In nine games, he scored one goal, one assist, so the counting stats didn't follow him. But the performance was enough to garner a new contract on a one-way deal. But the question becomes, does he begin training camp, which is still a few months away, does he begin training camp with a roster spot? Horwat, that's the question I pose to you. Yeah, I believe he does. I mean, you know, yeah, it's a one-way deal, and yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean anything towards NHL or AHL status, but you gave him that faith. He kind of earned it uh, in his ten in his uh, few games last season. He proved that he can cut it here. I mean, unless we make multiple signings that push him directly out of the lineup, I think he's a guy that's starting on your third line without doubt. It's um, he's better than what we have for sure so it's uh i think it's an easy option to stick him into the lineup during uh right away as training camp starts and have him fight for a spot that he's most likely going to take yeah the third line right wing spot is it you said it i agree it's likely his spot to lose at the moment mm-hmm. and also with so many other holes to fill for the pittsburgh penguins on this roster, I mean, they need a starting goaltender. They need to do something with that defense because it went from 6th to 21st and expected goals allowed per 60 minutes. You need to, to start reversing that action as soon as possible because no matter who's in net, that's not a good stat and that's not a good way to play hockey and that's not a good way to try to win games and make the playoffs. Uh, they need a, a top 6 guy because they don't have another one on the roster. Now, Nylander... While I wouldn't start him in the top six, I wouldn't expect top six minutes from him and top six production from him. In the case of an injury, in the event of an injury, I trust him to go up there for a handful of games and not completely drown. Is he going to go up there and produce like a top six winger? Unlikely. But do I trust that he's able to fill those minutes and fill that role for the time being? Yes. Uh, as long as it's not a quarter of a season or anything more than that, I trust that, that Alex Nylander can keep his head above water on the Penguins' top six. He showed that last year, and while he isn't the number one option, he's not the guy that you should look at and be like, okay, he can replace Zucker if Zucker doesn't come back. That's right. not going to happen. But I, I think he's a good option to start on the third line and potentially, if need be, move up. So I, I think it's a good contract for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's a younger player, signing him to a one-year deal under a million dollars, we talked about it when it happened. It, it's cash money for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that's why they could make the signing without a general manager in place because league minimum for a 20, what, 25-year-old, you might have to check me on that, 25-year-old winger that has played in the NHL, has marinated in your system for over a year, and has shown positive results with the team despite not getting the actual counting stats to come along with it, he was a positive he was a positive aspect of the team at the end of the season. And that's all you could ask for when you're trying to rebuild a bottom six from the ground up. Cause that's where they're at. Yeah. And you're right. 25 years old, just turned 25 in early, early, early March. Former first, first round pick too. It's he's eighth got overall. The... Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's got the pedigree to um, live up to as well. I mean, he only played nine games. It feels like he only played nine games. It feels like he played half the season for how much people talked about him. Um, before getting before breaking out in the NHL and then finally getting there and looking mm-hmm. good in his first game immediately. He spent more time driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike than he did actually playing in games as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins last summer or last season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. It's um, quite impressive. And now he deserves his spot in Pittsburgh, even because it didn't look like he missed a step at NHL speed, even mm-hmm. 
without playing since the, what the bubble? I think that's what it was. It was so, it was over a year and a half. I don't remember if it was fully two years or not, but it it was a long time. It was a long time. I think, yeah, because his NHL playoff stats is only ones are from Chicago, eight games in the bubble. So that it was his first NHL, you know, his first hacks at the NHL since the literal bubble. So the fact he was able to do that and still look feasible. Yeah, it deserves a chance. It deserves a spot. Yeah, and something else we mentioned too is defensively, everything we had been told, or at least the the narrative surrounding Alex Nylander was, well, he's got a lot of work to do in the defensive zone. He is not a complete player. He does not like to play defense. He more than held his own from what I saw in those nine games. I didn't think there was really any major issues or major cracks in his game defensively. Certainly not in the effort department. I don't think there was any issues there. Again, nine games is just over 10% of the season. I understand when you get to the 60, 70, 80 games, you're going to have some some issues that crop up that you don't see in that first nine-game sample size. But compared to what the narrative was about his defensive abilities, it was nowhere near what I saw in that that, that sample size. So I understand the concept of you need to be a complete 200-foot player to play in the NHL. Do you? Do you really, though? Because let's be real here. Connor McDavid's not playing defense. No, not but... whenever he doesn't need to. I'm not yeah. saying Alex Nylander is Connor McDavid, but at what point are we going to drop this you need to play a full 200-foot game to be on our team? Because genuinely, if you can provide enough offense that your defense can pick up I don't know how to put it essentially mm-hmm. what's wrong with not being able to not not being able to play defense but what's wrong with lacking in defense nothing if you could make up for it that's the most important thing that you said if Jeff Carter well bad example because he wasn't great at defense <laughs> if or offense if Zach Aston Reese when he was with the Penguins and he was part of the Aston Reese Bluger Tanf line if Zach Aston Reese was a sieve on defense he wouldn't have been in the NHL because he didn't bring any offense to the table. So he needed to be good in the defensive zone. He made his entire career to this point off of being good defensively. Now, it doesn't mean he's he's selling out to block shots. It just means he's making smart decisions. And when he's on the ice, his team doesn't give up goals. And he plays the position the way it needs to be played in their own zone. It doesn't quite mean A plus B equals C, right? Hits and blocks equals good defensively. It is a much more difficult thing to quantify, especially at the NHL level, because everything shifts around so so fast. That's why in the NFL, it's very easy to quantify who is a good defender and who is a bad defender. In the NHL, that's why we have analytics. And if you haven't got onto analytics, you might want to simply because FSG and the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to start emphasizing that more with this new management group. And that is also the easiest way, the only real way, right, to quantify defensive efficiency in the NHL. And that is why certain players, if they can't make up for it offensively, they need to be good defensively. They need to be as complete a player as you can be to stay in that roster spot. If if Ty Smith can't play well defensively, he's not going to be on this team. He's great on the offense. We've seen already short sample size, and we're going to have Nick Hart on at some point this summer to try to talk a little bit about Ty Smith and what he was able to do in Wilkes-Barre because we didn't have eyes on that as nearly as much as we had eyes on the Pittsburgh Penguins. But if he can't build up that defensive style 
and he can't be at least good enough defensively to stay in the NHL, his offense is not going to make up for it. Because while he's great on the offense, he might be a great power play guy. If his defense isn't good in that position, then he, he it's not worth having him at the NHL level. Did you did you catch the little full circle moment we had there? By the way, I did. <clears throat> Talking t- once again, discussing the new GM. Eventually, it's <laughs> it's in the back of our minds because we're it's, looking for it. It is day thirteen, as you mentioned, of Dubas ev- Watch. Yeah, in every well, I mean, in just in GM Watch, it's it's like day 60. 50, 60, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's it's it does go along with everything that we discuss as well. It's mm-hmm. so it's going to be part of every discussion but yeah it's Alex Neilander does deserve his chance and that whole spiel on you know maybe Ty Smith needs to produce defensively I would hope he's a good defense good at defense he's a literal defenseman well yes but, <laughs> but sliding yeah, scale for a forward to play defense and a defenseman to play defense yeah. but yes but yeah that's I was just trying to I'm glad you gave me that spiel on just because I had this genuine question because it's been happening for so long that mm-hmm. Uh, the Penguins talk about it all the time. We need to work on your defensive game before you can make it to the NHL. I mean, you, I guess their their offense doesn't outweigh it because we've seen how many players in this league forever uh, be pure scorers, pure playmakers. They don't play defense. Sidney Crosby built in as the, as his career went on, built into a defensive mindset mm-hmm. mindset player. Alex Ovechkin still doesn't play defense. I mean, again, I'm cherry picking here. Obvious <laughs> answers of yeah. How about Victor Olofsson? He was a power play person for a long time. Did he ever play defense? I don't know. I haven't seen him. Isn't he like a healthy scratch now in Dallas? I, I have no idea where Victor Olofsson is. I, don't ask me why I know that. Yeah, I have no idea where he is. I remember he was on the trade block for probably the last two, three seasons. Uh, but I, I think he, I thought he stayed in Buffalo. I might be wrong. I don't know. Uh, but regardless. Oh, Frederick Olofsson. That's why. Okay. So maybe he is still in Buffalo. Anyway. Yeah, I didn't think Buffalo traded anybody away this this season. Uh, I thought they, I think they added like one or two guys at the deadline, like small names. Which, hey, good, good for Buffalo. That's a good, good way to go about it because their team was good this year. But no, anyway, with 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 Alex Nylander, and a similar thing defensive wise. By the way, Valtteri Pustin. We'll have to get it to the bottom of that and and why mm-hmm. the Penguins didn't call his number at all this season. Obviously, there was a log jam at the NHL with. I don't. I think talent's a strong word in the bottom six, um, but How about regardless, people? well, yeah, we'll have discussions on Valtteri Pustin this summer again. Something we could ask Nick Hart about when we hopefully get him on at some point here in either June or July. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, hashtag Dubis Watch. Maybe by the end of this week, maybe not. Who knows? Who cares at this point? Just give me a freaking name. That's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>